comes ahead on goal, and Jordan Morris has done it. Appealing in vain for offside, the Chicago Fire defenders. Jordan Morris from the doorstep saves the day for the Sounders. Foot race the other way. Look who's running hard after defensively. Wayne Rooney, the net is empty. Big collision by the captain. That is unbelievable effort. Rooney putting one up. Bacosta. The Stateside Soccer Show with Logan and Jordan. Hello and welcome to the Stateside Soccer Show. I am a man who just spilled water all over his lap here during that intro video. <laughs> Good uh, Lord. Jordan Wiegand. Along with me today is somebody that is Timothy Weah's cousin, Logan Stump. I'm not, I don't, <laughs> I'm so confused. Who's, who's actually related? <laughs> For people that missed that, oh, there's the cat. Uh, if anybody missed that, uh, Tim Way is now saying that Patrick Way is not his cousin. So a little bit of intrigue there. Uh, with us today as well is the uh, guys from the final third. We have AJ. Hello, hello, hello. And Jack. Hello there. <laughs> a good topical I uh, like reference that, yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, for the audio listeners, I am wearing my R2-D2 Mickey Mouse ears and my Mandalorian shirt. And this mug is what spilled water all over me during nice. this. So that was a disaster. Uh, but that's what happens when you do video, I guess. Um, so we are going to be talking some Minnesota United, which is why the guys from the final third are here. But first, happy May 4th. May the 4th be with you and also with you to the glory of Darth Vader and Obi-Wan and everybody up above. Uh, uh, AJ, I want to start with you here. Just uh, how was your weekend? Uh, weekend, you know, other than Minnesota United, unfortunately losing to Austin FC, it was pretty good uh, up here in Minnesota where Jack and I are both based. It's been getting a lot warmer we're in the middle of final season, but with like the weather getting better, you can't you can't help but feel a little bit better about the entire world right now, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Jack, how was your weekend? Uh, I mean, it again, like AJ said, Minnesota United losing was a bit of a damper, but I did get to go to the stadium to Allianz Field to see it in person. So, uh, oh yeah, I, you were there. Yeah, so I guess I got to see the loss in person, which makes the loss a little bit less sad because I was actually able to be in the stadium again, but didn't really damn it too much. But yeah, I also had family around, so that was a, a great weekend for me. So Awesome. So let's get a little into the heartbreak, I guess, here. Uh, <laughs> Minnesota United, uh, bottom of the league, uh, three straight losses, two of those. Home games, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and if we look at my predictions here, I have them in third with the MLS Cup. Not looking good uh, right now. Though I will say, disclaimer, 2016 Seattle Sounders started off very bad. Uh, they turned it around midsummer with uh, Smetzer and Ladero. So maybe there's a chance. Maybe. Um, so let's start. I'll pitch it to you, AJ, first. What needs to happen for them to turn it around? Like, what is ultimately the issue, you think? Is it just the defense, or is there something deeper going on here? I think when you're really looking at it, most of the team is kind of broken right now from the tactics to the defense to the attack. Uh, tactically, we're kind of at an impasse right now where we, where Adrian Heath and the team kind of need to decide whether the current system that they're playing is the right system. We've been kind of playing, and Jack can correct me if I'm wrong here, but we've been kind of playing like this high-press style with a lot of our players moving very far up the field. And as our 4-0 drubbing to Seattle Sounders have shown and our losses since then have shown, it just has not been playing in our favor. Our defense gets uh, hung out to dry, I suppose, because you have mm -hmm. Michael Boxel, you have uh, Ritala and Gasper and uh, all of our fullbacks and defense trying to move up, and they just can't track back when an actual counterattack happens against that. Couple that with the fact that our attack has been kind of disjointed, not being able to connect with each other, and like I said before, our defense moving way far up the field, it's kind of been a mess every single game to the point where we haven't been in a winning position. I've tweeted about this. We haven't been in a winning position, Minnesota United, since the Seattle Sounders loss last season. We've always been either you know starting off 0-0 or losing. And so that's just made it really tough for Minnesota United there and i'm sure jack has more things to say about that too yeah go ahead jack what's your what's your thoughts here is there uh you know what is ultimately the underlying issue and what, what do they got to fix here yeah i i think the issue is kind of twofold because like aj was talking about the defense we have a bit of problems there like in the stadium itself it, it's a lot more apparent than it might appear on tv because when they were attacking the austin goal towards the beginning of like the first half, my seat's near the corner flag near Argyle. And our defense is entirely in the other side of the field. So one lawn ball over, and I saw it several times, one lawn ball over, across, and there's a chance. And, you know, it on the goal where we conceded against Austin, our only player that was tracking back defending was Rowan Anir, our right back, who was all the way up the field. He crossed over onto the other side to try and defend because Michael Boxel, I love him. He's one of my favorite players. He's slow. He is very slow. And because of that, uh, we're really getting smashed on that counterattack. Any long ball over the top and it's over. Uh, so I think the defense is a big issue. That might be fixed once Bakaye Dubasi gets back from injury. But that, that's definitely one area. The other one is the disjointed attack. There has not been a consistent attacking lineup in any of our games. Uh, this season, you know, we, we've had a completely different lineup every single time. And it's clear that the chemistry just isn't really there between uh, some of these players and swapping them out just isn't working. And, you know, you can also really see it there. There's a big loss uh, from Kevin Molino leaving as well. 
it, it's so apparent when you watch Minnesota try and play that it they're missing a Kevin Molino-sized hole in the left wing right there. Uh, we we can't create from that side. We almost always attack up the right because Menneer has been one of our more dangerous players. So we really need some some kind of magic on the left, I guess, is the, is the main thing in the attack that we need to fix. And those are kind of like the two main problems I see. I was going to say, because if you look at, uh, I mean, when I was watching the, the Seattle game, I mean, the first half, um, and we were watching along with you guys, the first half, it seemed like, I mean, it did. It seemed like Minnesota was that team that everybody was going to be like, okay, yeah, so this team is competitive. They're, you know, playing well against the Seattle team that um, many at first thought weren't good, but then we come to find out Seattle's a, a really good team. So you have that first half to kind of look back at, um, and then you watch that Rail Salt Lake game, and it was, it seems like there was like some disjointed play in the back between the defenders. It seems like, um, that, you know, Minnesota's having a real tough time in the attack. Um, I pulled an interesting stat and I want to ask you guys about, um, you know, just kind of looking at the attack too. Um, the Loons had just two shots on target um, in the match against Austin. Uh, they've got eight of 54 shots this season that have been on target, lowest percentage in the league. Um, you know, what, who, who can you kind of turn to? I mean, where does Minnesota turn to now to kind of find these answers in the attack? Things how you know it's it looks like it's Reynoso or Bust at this point. Yeah, it's been it's been really tough for Minnesota to kind of create chances and convert chances in the final third. No, no pun intended for that. <laughs> uh, but it, it, like you say, yeah, Reynoso or Bust is definitely the case. Reynoso has been a focal point for opposition defense, and it makes mm-hmm. sense. Uh, he did score uh, or create six assists last year in three games in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. He's in the top, I don't know, 80th percentile for dribbles completed, progressive passes. He creates maybe 0.5 assists per 90, something like that. And because of that, he has been at least attempted to be snuffed out by a lot of these defenses. And so we can't really turn to a lot of attacking threats because, you know, like Jack said, when we had Kevin Molino, we were able to kind of have two outputs. We have Reynoso who can lay it out to Molino or Molino who could uh, run forward and potentially create something. When we have, you know, Ethan Finley, who, you know, great guy, but he's kind of past his prime and his output's not there. Or Robin Ludd, whose best position is right now on the right, where he's not being deployed. It kind of raises a lot of question marks because we don't have a, a solid left winger and right. our striker position is also up in the air. So that just adds the disjointedness and we really just don't have a solid output to rely on. Do you think any of this, uh, does any of this fall on Adrian Heath at all? Is it, uh, like you said, when picking the attacking lineups, uh, not being consistent, like how much of it is, uh, on him because I, I I sometimes feel like sorry my dog's so nuts uh, when you when you watch like a um, uh, this team at times if sometimes it just see, it doesn't seem like they're up for it you know um, and and I'm not sure if that's uh, the players he's picking or the the vibe he's giving uh, you know how many times can you say that you're the underdogs before you actually believe you are the underdogs and not good enough <laughs> for the team. Yeah. Well, I think some of the blame definitely falls onto Heath, right? Because he is at the end of the day, 
he is the coach. He's responsible for making these decisions. And, you know, uh, it, it's kind of funny because in the, in the stadium uh, at the Austin game, Keith made substitutions in the 60th minute. And like in my little stand in the area around we where uh, everyone was like, oh my gosh, a substitution made in the 60th minute. Is this Adrian Heath? Because, you know, one thing that he's very reluctant to do is change the style when it's not working. It's really like plan A and there's not really a good plan B. There is a plan B, but it's, it doesn't come until like the 80th minute at those times. And because of that, you're not giving enough chance for like these kinds of guys to change the game. Like I, I'd argue that when he came onto the pitch, Patrick Wea was one of the best players from Minnesota that we've seen uh, this season, honestly, because he created chances. He almost scored on his debut like two minutes after coming on. And, you know, you know he was a, a really big threat. And same with Justin McMaster. But the, these guys just aren't getting the same minute, uh, minutes as a lot of the veterans because uh, another thing that, that we've know, uh, AJ and I both noticed with Adrian Heath is that he doesn't always play who is like, you know, on form or like who who uh who th- he thinks it might be who we think might be the best for the situation but whoever he thinks can be the best for like uh like or is the best player technically and uh not necessarily taking into that form sort of which kind of hurts us a little bit and you know i i, I think the but i think the bigger portion is that substitution effect like giving not not really going to a plan b has hurt us a lot it's interesting because Jim Curtin gets a lot of flack for that too, actually. Uh, not wanting to make all the subs or making subs. That they were actually very shocked at the Champions League game when he switched out um, Corey Burke for Santos at halftime because he usually would wait, uh, you know, 60th minute or later and, and never use all the subs. So uh, same sort of frustrations there. It, it seems like it happens a lot in this league particularly where they don't want to make substitutions or they wait. Uh, they don't, especially when you have five subs for the MLS, it's like, why not use them? You know, cause at that point you're, you're just hurting yourself, you know, because if the other team's using all five, then they're going to have a leg up because they're going to have five fresh legs on the field, or I guess 10 fresh legs. Right um on the field while you're left with the two or three subs you made um logan did you have another question yeah i so i mean looking forward um obviously this weekend they've got colorado um who actually looked pretty good against vancouver it looks like because sam vines is back they were pushed kellen acosta up um so a a team that's going to be difficult to beat it's at colorado um and then you go and play vancouver which might be a team that you can kind of get healthy on um you know, what, what, what is the panic level right now? I mean, are you guys feeling a little bit of the heat? Do you think that, I mean, it does look like they have a favorable schedule coming up to where if they can just play their soccer, I think that they can beat some of these teams, but what's the panic level right now for you guys and maybe some of the Minnesota people that, you know? Yeah. Well, Minnesota United fans are known for panicking. Uh, One of the inside (laughs) jokes within the fan base is hashtag panic. So it's, you know, our panic levels are always at 11 out of 10 all the time. But, you know, in terms of realistically, I mean, there is some panic to be had, not including last season. Only four teams have ever started out with three straight losses and gone off to make the playoffs most notably Seattle Sounders when they won the MLS Cup in 2016. Mm-hmm. So 
it's possible to in the next you know few run of games get healthy but there are going to need to be you know structural changes in order to get that to happen but you know it all starts with the very next game and the game after that we need to get some points at Colorado, some points at Vancouver, some points when uh, our our home matches come back and we have the the ability to try to build some momentum. It all it all starts there, but there's definitely going to need to be some some real changes both on the player side and the management side in order to get that ball rolling. That, that that's just what I, I think about my panic levels personally. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree with that. The panic levels are, you know, I, I'd say they're at about mid-level because this is, you know, the worst start to a season that Minnesota United have ever had. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, right. I forgot it, to mention it, that. Right. Yeah, it's worse than the inaugural season where we were, like, one of the worst teams to ever play in MLS, arguably. And, <laughs> you know, it, it, it it's a little bit uh, shocking because... I think almost everyone was like, oh, this is a team that's challenging for MLS Cup. This is a team that's challenging for Supporters Shield, even. Like, and yeah, the, the predictions right up there, you know, third place, uh, both you guys predicted. I put them second as well. So uh, I, I'm as did I. As, as well. did I. <laughs> yeah. So we, you know, uh, I, I feel like it's just a bit of a shock. And the, the natural reaction is just to turn to some panic. But I, I ultimately am of the opinion that in these, like, especially the last game, Minnesota don't look necessarily terrible. They look promising, but just making really bad mistakes that cost them a lot. So I think that, you know, they've, they've got to retool some things, but my panic levels are around that middle, that middle, like about a five out of 10, maybe. And if we lose or get no points from the next game, that'll probably rise to a seven or eight. Honestly. It's only exponential growth from here. AJ, which did you answer your panic? Your panic levels? Yeah, he did. Oh, okay, yeah. sorry. Yeah. So, no, I guess I, one last thing before I, we we let you guys off here. Um, can you guys just tell us a little bit uh, about uh, the podcast and how people can find you? I know we haven't had you guys on. We had us on over at Final Third, and I, I clearly stomped Jordan right into the ground with my predictions. Um, so maybe just give us a little bit of insight on on your guys's pod and where people can find your work. Yeah, so we are the final third podcast. We don't just talk about Minnesota United, although whenever we do well or badly, we like to mention them. Uh, We talk about all things MLS, U.S. National Team, Premier League, UCL, Serie A. You know, try to talk about all kinds of things in soccer. Particularly, we like to talk about the big picture of soccer. We like to go over the big stories on and off the field. Uh, we have our prediction game, which you guys have both been on. Logan, obviously the superior host. Really, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, we also have our deep dive episodes, which are, you know, looking at, at our stats have been very, very popular. We like to talk about the big, big trends in soccer that we've been noticing uh, this upcoming Thursday. We have a deep dive episode on the future of football in light of the Glazers protests out of Manchester United. We've also been talking about the economic wealth gap between big and small teams. And also, you know, when the European Super League happened, we talked about the implications of the fall of that. So, you know, we like to keep things really big picture. So if anyone of your listeners are interested in hearing more of that, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Final Third Show and on wherever you listen to your podcasts. 
the final third podcast. Uh, Jack, did I miss anything there? I'm sure I did. Uh, actually, no. I think I think you I think you covered everything that we usually cover in a little spiel there. So that was good. Nice, nice. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, we'll have to have <laughs> you guys on again once uh, Mourinho flames out at uh, Roma and gets the job at Minnesota. That's amazing. That's coming down the pipeline. Well, but right, yeah, well, thanks yeah. again, guys. Yeah, it was great to come on. Thank you, guys. And yep. yeah, love the podcast. Everyone awesome. who's listening, follow them. Give them a rating. They're great guys. Thanks, AJ. Thanks, thanks Jack. The Stateside Soccer Show. Talking the beautiful game in the land of the free. Breaking down Major League Soccer, U.S. Men's National Team, and more with Logan and Jordan. And that was AJ and Jack from the final third. And we are back now to talk some other teams other than Minnesota here. But Logan, I want to ask you first, what was your takeaway from what we heard from the final third guys there? Uh, that the panic hashtag is running rampant through um, Minnesota <laughs> United Twitter. Um, as it should be. I think that there is some reason to, to be concerned. A team that starts out with... Uh, three losses is not a, a team that is sound by any means. So I think that that's, that it is uh, rightfully so something to panic about. And, you know, I took away from them just the fact that the, the defense looks in disarray, the attack looks in disarray. So basically the only thing left is Reynoso doesn't look in disarray. So that that's ultimately what I took away from it. How about you? Yeah, it was, uh, I think kind of what we expected, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it is. I'm sorry. I'm just getting used to you having the background and not the uh, green screen. I got so used to you with the green. Screen <laughs> sorry. <laughs> on that interview. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, no, I, I felt like it was. Uh, it was good to kind of hear it from them, especially Jack, who was in the stadium. Uh, you know, for that Austin loss, because mm-hmm. you do see things differently in the stadium than you do uh, when you're watching on TV. Obviously, right? Because you can kind of see the stuff that's cut off from the TV screens, more off the ball movement and stuff like that. Yeah. So let's segue into that, Logan. You went to your second Orlando city game. I did this one a lot better than the first game <laughs> against Atlanta and 33 seconds in or whatever. It's one nil Orlando city. What was your, mm-hmm. what was your thoughts there? Cause it sounded, sounded louder than last week or uh, two weeks ago. And it, mm-hmm. it just felt like a, a better atmosphere, better game. Like the atmosphere really came through the screen for me. I think the the biggest difference is the night games. I think that the night games, because uh, when you're playing at three o'clock in Orlando, that's like the worst time as far as temperature. People are like, all right, I'm excited, but it's really hot. Um, so I think that was part of it. I think also there was some, I think that there's this feeling around Orlando that I get, um, you know, listening to podcasts and, and kind of listening to what the fans are saying that they're waiting for the struggle to happen because it has been a, a rough go, um, except for last year for Orlando City. So I think that there's some of that aspect to it as well. So I think it's kind of like that cautiously optimistic. We're going into the game and we're excited. But once it actually kicks off, it's kind of like really quiet all of a sudden. And then as soon as that happens, uh, and it was a really bad start for Cincinnati. I mean, as bad as you could possibly get. And it kind of shows what was going to happen in that first half. Um, it, it was, it, it, I mean, it tore the place up i mean the, it just got loud and it was loud for straight from 30 seconds and 
all the way till the final whistle, which was, it was, it was a great atmosphere. It was a lot of fun Saturday night. Uh, it was a beautiful night. It was like 80 degrees with like a really slight breeze. Um, so just a, a beautiful Orlando night. And I think that had a lot to do with it as well, but, uh, yeah, uh, cautiously optimistic fans, uh, Orlando start quiet. Don't be loud until we do something right. Until that first 30 seconds where you're like, Oh right. no, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah this, is awesome. this is what we expected. And and two of those goals were at your end, right? Yeah, Tesho's goal uh, was at my end, and the Nani and goal Nani's, was at my yeah. end. Yeah, um, and but the Nani goal, I, I honestly, I almost wanted, I almost started recording it because you could tell he was, it was, he gearing was trying to, it, yeah, yeah, gearing up to kind of make that kick from that right outside the box. And when he did it, that place, when that happened, it erupted. I mean, it was loud, yeah. and they do the things with the lights where it like flashes and it goes dark, yeah. and it like flashes and stuff. Um, and then Nani was going absolutely nuts. He pro- he probably is one of the best goal celebrations um, in, in the whole league. He runs towards midfield and he does the thing where he, he's doing all this and running at the camera. So, but yeah, no, it was it was a lot of fun. I had a blast uh, in Orlando City, kicked the uh, Cincinnati's teeth in. So, I was very jealous because uh, you know I was watching that game on my phone while watching the <laughs> Union game on the TV. Yeah, and I almost was like, should I switch these two because the <laughs> Union were a disaster, but. Let's let's start with this Orlando game, I guess. Mm-hmm. Kind of talk about this. Cincinnati, yeah. no Luciano Acosta. Uh, you know, one minute in, 31 seconds, Akindele scores. The earliest goal in Orlando City history. Uh, Nani had a great piece of skill to score the second one. Junior Urso scored the third uh, in the 80th minute. Uh, Cincinnati just never really looked up to this. And uh, they now have a negative eight goal differential. Are they? What, did we overestimate Cincinnati? Are they uh, wooden spoon contenders after all? Uh, you know, the last two games without Luciano Acosta looked a little rough, right? Mm-hmm. They got killed, what, 5 nothing against NYCFC, 3-0 yeah. against Orlando. With Acosta, they had at least two goals in the first you know, 12 minutes last mm-hmm. week, you know, like the, the first week of the season. But, you know, as we look at this, we had, uh, we had them, uh, I have them ninth. You have them 10th. We don't have them in the golden boot conversation at all, but this type of goal differential, two straight beatings, obviously away from home. So mm-hmm. I guess take for that what you will, but it, it doesn't look good. Does it? No. And, I'll tell you what, uh, watching live, I was actually, I mean, I was watching Orlando, obviously, but I was actually paying attention to kind of what their midfield looked like. And so you had Jurgen Locadia up front, and then in behind him is kind of like a second striker. You had Brenner. He's kind of, honestly, he looked more like he was trying to play like a 10 role, um, mm. which was really bizarre. Um, and then you had like the four midfielders and then the four in the back. There was a lot of space because Brenner wants to be up front. So there's nobody there. So it's like playing a really deep midfield and trying to hope that they can. So then they had Bariel and Atanga who are wingers. Technically they play more winger. They were kind of forced to go up some because Brenner can't create out of a 10. It's not his role. Um, so that was confusing. And then Kubo, uh, he's not a mid, like whatever they have him doing, he kind of lays back as a defensive midfielder. And that's not that he is not ready for whatever he's doing there. Um, Joe Zhao playing in a right back spot. I don't like, he's trying to figure that role out. Cause he's more of a midfielder. Um, yeah. 
but I'll tell you, there was no pressing, really. I mean, once Orlando scored that first goal, which was 30 seconds in, you just kind of it deflated. Uh, you had a lot of guys that just don't press. Uh, Hoglin and Pedersen are, are just not a good combo. They look really lost most of the time, um, just trying to find out who they're marking in the box. Uh, there was a times where Mueller was just <laughs> dissecting it as he wished. Um, but Brenner was like way out of position up like in the midfield and not anywhere near the striker position. And Jurgen Lukati is not going to score. So not at this, not in this league, it doesn't seem like that's something he's going to be doing successfully ever. So it, it, man, they, they look lazy. They look tired. They look like a team that, um, and I listened to the Cincy soccer talk guys and they were talking about like how Yap, like give him time. I don't know how much more time he's going to get because it looked bad. It looked like a team that gave up. Here's some. Here is some positives. Okay. You went from giving up five last week to only three this week, and I don't think either of these were from set pieces. No. So it's it's it is a uh, incremental uh, <laughs> step forward. <laughs> step forward. Um, I mean, but here's the thing. When you're giving up goals that early, it changes the match, right? Like the NYCFC game, I think, was giving up that goal a minute and some in, two minutes in. It was yeah. very early. Yep. And then this one was 30 seconds in. You lose all momentum, and I feel like this team just immediately gets down, and I don't think they would have lost this bad of score lines if they, haven't give, if they didn't give up both of those goals super early in these weeks because you could kind of grow into the game. But once you give up a goal like 30 seconds in, I feel like Orlando's like, it's there for the taking, right? Like, well, we're going to get them now. We're going to go out and get it because this team's not prepared. They're not ready. And I don't know why they're not. Um, you know, I, I think I do think Yopstam should have some time. But I think you can only give them to the end of this season. If they, if they are wooden spoon winners, then no. He, look, I know he came in kind of like – after the COVID situation last year, before the, um, I think it was before uh, the, the MLS's back tournament. Yeah, it was right before. Then, you know, you, he had almost a full season. It was a 2020 season, but it was almost a full 2020 season because they only played two games before that, right? Before COVID shut it down. And then you have all of this season to base it off of, and you say, I don't think this is cutting it. Um, would you be okay with them letting them go at the end of this season if they're like 14th, 13th place? I mean, yeah, you got, I, honestly, I don't think you'd last that long if they're that, if they're down there, I, I think, see, here's the tough part. Cause it, you're right. I mean, it was a really tough year last year and they hired him kind of late, but I mean, you're looking at a team that, I mean, it, they don't even look organized. Uh, they don't look organized defensively. They've got two really shiny attacking pieces, and I know Lucho hasn't played, so that's kind of been an issue. But uh, Brenner hasn't really looked threatening. He only has a goal because of the penalty. Um, he's been sucked back into a, a role that uh, I'm not sure why that was even considered. I mean, I'd much rather play with anybody that's an attacking midfielder at the number 10 than having a striker play like a 10 role. It wasn't the second Is striker. it because they don't have a 10 without a cost? They don't. That no, why? they definitely I mean, don't. That's- yeah, yeah, that's probably why they had to do right. it, right? I mean, they're like, yeah. I mean, uh, who knows at this point? Uh, what what do you do? I mean, uh, it's not like their schedule is going to get easier. Um, 
they're not much better than a lot of these teams right now. It was a tough right. schedule though. Let's let's say it was Let, tougher, Let's go yes. out and say this is tough. Yeah. You got Nashville mm-hmm. at home, NYCFC. Yep, all these away games. Orlando, all three of these games away. Mm-hmm. But the issue is, you cannot run into a situation. Look, so this is before you were not born, but you know, before you were an MLS. Uh, before you came out of the MLS womb, <laughs> yeah. right? So you're yeah. Toronto FC, perennial powerhouse now, but they had a super huge fan base when they first joined the league, akin to Cincinnati, akin to like Orlando, akin to like these these situations where you're like, oh, they really support their team really well. Like this is great to see all this kind of stuff. It took them forever to get into the playoffs, forever uh, to get into the playoffs. Then they, you know, then they win MLS Cup. So you're like, okay, great like the year after their second year in the playoffs. But while they were still struggling to get in the playoffs in those like nine years, the fan base dwindles, right? Because you can't keep affording to have this great fan base in an area without putting product on the field. Orlando kind of ran into that before, um, before they signed Oscar Perea, you know, uh, when they're hiring these random, uh, Logan's almost dusting away here, but you have <laughs> these random, you know, like the, the like James Connor. Uh, is it James Connor or James O'Connor? Uh, the the manager for Orlando a few years ago, before Oscar Preya, and you know, you you weren't seeing any sort of growth for Orlando. Really, they bring in Preya, and now everybody's like, oh yeah, this is exciting, right? This is great. Cincinnati can't do that. They cannot have the situation where like Orlando started off with great fan yep. interest, dipped, and now it's coming back. It is. Right? So obviously if you win, stuff comes back. But if you go into this lull where like where you are like the Baltimore Orioles of MLS, right? And you uh, are very bad and you and you and you have a fan base that can thrive in Cincinnati and you have a great new stadium that's opening up in Cincinnati that we're going to call West End Stadium on this show, then you cannot afford for it to dip because you can't get your stuff together. <laughs> that is brilliant. Uh, so Logan has a picture here with Obi-Wan Kenobi because it's May 4th. I so thought it was these, appropriate. These aren't the starts you're looking for, and it has Cincinnati, Minnesota, and Portland Timbers, which we'll get to all those. Te- well, we'll get to Portland in a little bit. But so let's just end Cincinnati talk on this, right? Mm-hmm. You cannot afford to have this issue. And and look, they're trying. They brought in Brenner for lots of money. They brought in Acosta. They're trying to do something. And I think that's why at the end of the season, if they're 14th, 13th, maybe 12th, they have to be like, maybe we move on from Yopstam. Which would be tough because people were saying the same thing about Jim Curtin for a while and he's turned yeah. it around. But yeah. You think some of these players are going to – you think Brenner is going to stay here if it's going to tank his value elsewhere? You think – you know, like the, with the the luxury Jim Curtin had is that the Philadelphia Union were not spending, and they were like, oh, all these kids are who we're going to bank on, and he taught all those kids when they were young. So, like, that's that was kind of why he was afforded that time, and I can't see Yopstam getting more than this year unless they make a playoff run or fall right outside of the playoffs. Yeah, I don't see it. I don't see it. Has it has to be an increase from last year. Yeah. And right now, it, it doesn't. I mean, it's tough to go from really bad to 
really bad again, but it, they're on their track right now. Um, but like you said, really tough schedule. Interested to see what they do in the next coming week. All right, so let's go, let's go ahead into our headlines here, and then we'll go to some of these other games. Uh, so we already talked Minnesota. So I'll start with one of my other headlines here, and I'll go with the CCL teams again because this is going to cover a good chunk of these teams. Um, when we look at the CCL teams, uh, the Union – well, let's cover this first. The Union beat Atlanta 3-0, upsetting all of Atlanta Twitter, which was fantastic. <laughs> Um, how dare they? Some of those, some of those, it's gonna get worse. It's gonna get really bad, (laughs) you know, unless if Atlanta could turn it around tonight, uh, probably gonna see a lot more of those, a lot more of those tweets. But it was, uh, yeah, 3 0 win. Uh, Atlanta was peppering that goal in Mm. the first half. Uh, Blake stands on his head a bit. Then we get, uh, some counter attack goals for Philadelphia. They win 3 0. Fantastic result tonight, uh, you know, a week ago. And tonight they're set up. Those are three away goals. They're in uh, Subaru Park tonight at 8 p.m., which uh, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, sorry you missed it. But, uh, yeah, so that, that that's kind of a key thing here. But when we look at the league form of all these teams, we look at the standings and we look at the schedule. And right now, we have Atlanta, the highest in the East, with fifth out of these CCL teams. Then you have Columbus in 10th. You have Toronto in 11th, Philadelphia in 12th. On the West Coast, you have uh, none of them in, in the top, right? Because it's mm-hmm. just... Yeah, they're Portland, all sucked down. Right, the it's bottom. just it's just Portland yeah. in the Champions League on the West, right? Yeah. Um, they have Portland in twelfth place in the West. None of these teams have looked really sharp, and I get it. It's it's all you know. You're going through a lot here. It's the beginning of the season, but you also have this travel. I, I thought maybe the Union would have a leg up on that because they literally went down to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. They went up to Subaru Park to play NYCFC, and then they play there again tonight. So, like, they didn't have to go too much out of their way, but they fell apart here against NYCFC in what was a uh, disaster class, I'd say, right? Uh, so, I mean, of course, they had some rotations of, of players, but so no Shabilko playing. Uh, you have a five-minute goal from uh, Medina scoring. Uh, then you have a red card in the 16th minute for Jose Martinez. He also missed – he's missing tonight's game as well, so he's going to extend it rest because he got a, <laughs> yeah. uh, second yellow or whatever in the first leg or enough yellows in the first leg to miss the yellow card accumulation. Um, then you have NYCFC finishing with 23 shots, seven of those on target with 67% possession. And you have Castellanos scoring on a, uh, in the 65th minute. To make it 2-0 NYCFC over Philadelphia. And that is uh, Philadelphia, sorry, had not lost a game at Subaru Park all regular season last year. And now have just lost two in a row at Subaru Park. So a little bit of a problem. It just seems like the, the rotation of players, um, and honestly, I think they do it more than Europe does. Um, 
because when I was looking at, I mean, we'll get to a game later with Portland that same thing. They just rotate players in that really impact the attack. Um, not having Shabelko play um, kind of affects things. And then going to men down. I mean, what are you what are you supposed to do at that point? New York City played like they had ten men, um, controlled possession, had sixty percent of the possession in the first half, had twenty three shots, seven on target, um, and then you know throughout the whole game it was like sixty some percent to to New York City FC. So it was you know it was just not a game that Philly was really destined to win. And even before Martinez gets gets the red, I thought that NYC FC controlled the pace really well. So. You know, it's been a really tough start for for these CCL teams, which we'll get into. Yeah, it was a, uh, you know, once you're down a goal and then down a man in the first 15 Mm -hmm. minutes, it's pretty much over. I said to myself, like, okay, this game's over. Like, there's no way they come back from this. And sadly, I was right. Um, (laughs) When we look at other CCL teams real quick, we have Portland at FC Dallas, so let's get this uh, Portland game out of the way. Portland lose four to one. <laughs> yeah, this is brutal. Ricarte two minutes in for Dallas. O'Brien thirteen minutes in. Uh, Simon uh, Bressanelli, if I said that right, for Dallas in the forty-fifth plus three. Sixty-second minute, you got Williamson for Portland. And then in the eighty-fifth minute, Sealy for Dallas, and that was uh, you know Ibobasi has come onto the. Uh, pitch in the 75th minute making a season debut but it just was um a slaughter really and it's making me feel really good about one instance of my predictions and that's that dallas pick (laughs) (laughs) six right now (laughs) feeling pretty good there um what was your thoughts here as portland got demolished Um, Uh, you know we have them first with winning supporter shield which you know yeah. So just to look at uh, the guys that were missing out of the starting 11, um, you had Valerio, Diego Chara was out of the 11, Williamson was out of the 11, Mabiala was out of the 11, Van Rankin, uh, Atanella, Aspria. Uh, so you had the, the guys sitting the bench. Now, I will say most of them came on the half, but by that time it's three to nil. What are you going to do with with that uh, mess, uh, heap of a mess left? Um, the kid in goal, uh, he was, uh, what was his name? It was uh, good. That's uh, uh, escaping me now. Um, Hunter Suttle or Suttle, uh, I'll Sute. Uh, he made his professional debut and looked like a kid that uh, hadn't really played in MLS. Um, so, you know, I, I think that it, it was a mixture of uh, just rotation and then Dallas. I, I think Dallas playing pretty well right now. I mean, they're feeling pretty confident. They're scoring at least. Um, they played San Jose last week and scored. So, you know, I think they're feeling a little bit better about their scoring. They go in here and do this. Uh, but like you said, it it really was just a, a slaughter of, of Portland, but it, it wasn't technically um, a, a team that was any, you know, shell of what a, a Portland team really looks like. So um, but I did, I, I did want to ask you one thing. Did you see the uh, Hollingshead thing with uh, Gio Savarisi? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we should probably talk about that, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's one of those things where I think it's funny, but uh, don't do that type of thing. Yeah. You know, um, he's saying that Savarese kind of started it somehow. I forget what his exact quote was, but, um, but yeah, uh, not, not something to get real riled up about the way some people did. It's just one of those things where you're like, huh, that's, uh, that's interesting. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, don't do that. That's probably not the good, best idea to do that. <laughs> yeah. Especially to Portland. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
yeah, so let's go ahead and move on here to Atlanta versus New England Revolution, which finished two to one in favor of the Revs with a Brandon by goal 19 minutes in, a Mourinho uh, uh, PK for Atlanta, and then a 53rd minute uh, Carlos uh, uh, Gil, uh, Gil uh, you know, I, I guess you pronounce it with the H, right? Uh, yeah. Penalty kick. Um, so that, you know, gives Revs the three points. They are unbeaten in three matches. Uh, I didn't think their first two games were all that spectacular, though. No. But, uh, so, so we'll see how it goes. We'll, we'll check where they land on the power rankings at the end of the show here. But uh, Atlanta, you know, they just got whooped uh, 3-0 at home against the Union. Uh, then they go to the Revs. Um, they, you know, pull a, I don't know, a, not really a Falcons because they never had to lead, but you know, they, <laughs> they, uh, they go up there and they lose and now they have to face the union at Subaru park and, you know, they rested some players. It looks like as well, right? Like, uh, mm-hmm. they didn't start Barco, Joseph, uh, Robinson or Bello. Is this like a uh, – they're trying to save it for Champions League? Because I, I just honestly don't see you coming from 3-0 away goals down. Yeah, I was going to say, well, well Barco's hurt because he's out tonight and Dom's hurt. So they're going to miss the game tonight. But like you said, um, I think you want to field a team that's respectable. I think you field a team that uh, shows your fans that, hey, we tried. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like you said, 3-0 uh, – I just, where, where do you, I mean, what are you trying to do? What are you trying to prove? Are you, can you even, I mean, that would take a miraculous comeback um, of epic proportions and a collapse like no other for Philadelphia to, to squander that one. So, yeah, I think it's, it's a little bit of both. I think it's a little bit of like, you know, some of these guys still need some rest. Uh, Joseph, uh, don't be shocked if you don't see him very much just because I think he's still trying to get uh, his time figured out and how much run he can get. Um, but yeah, like you said, I, I think a lot of it's just just resting its players uh, and trying to get you know healthy. But uh, like you said, at, you know New England hasn't been great, but I think they've done enough because the East has just been kind of a mess right now. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of your bottom teams, I think, uh, that will end up on the bottom are, are kind of playing pretty well, and and you got these CCL teams that are trying to figure out the tournament. But I think once all this stuff gets out of the way. Uh, here this week, you're going to start seeing some of these bigger teams start to, to get back into form and, and hopefully some fitness, and uh, they can try to see what they can do in the East. So we only have one more Champions League team to talk about. It looks like because Toronto was not playing this mm-hmm. week since of the uneven number of teams. So we have the uh, crew against Montreal. That finished nil-nil. Not really much to talk about, right? That was Columbus not good. Had, Columbus had no shots in the first half. <laughs> Uh, as this was at Montreal, which means it's actually at Florida and Miami. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's no Mensa playing. There was no Mason toy for Montreal. Uh, Montreal had five shots and one on target going into the hydration break. You know, they had more shots, but not a lot of threatening shots. No. Uh, the crew's first shot came in the 70th minute <laughs> and their best chance came in the 74th. Uh, just, you know, they're a deep team that we talked about, but it seems like, uh, you know, they're still off to the slow start. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll see how it goes because we got games tonight, right? So in the Champions League, we got games tonight. They don't play till tomorrow, May 5th, Revenge of the 5th. And uh, that is at 8 o'clock against Monterey. They're even on aggregate with Mo- Monterey, but Monterey has the away goals. So they, they got to turn it around somehow here. I mean, they, they started off pretty slow here as well, right? They've mm-hmm. had two games, two draws, one against the Union, nil-nil, and one against Montreal, nil-nil. Uh, Montreal, we're still kind of up in the air about, right? They're fourth yeah. placed in the East with five points, but we still don't really know how for real they are. So we don't really know if this is a good point for Montreal uh, for 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 Columbus yet at all. It's a great point for Montreal, I think, mm-hmm. even though they're at home, away from they're home. home. Uh, <laughs> but w- what's your take on this game? Because there wasn't it, much, I don't think. Yeah, it was bad. It was not. I, I was watching it. I actually put it on the iPad because I think um, the I was going to say the LAFC game came on, so I had them up. Um, but yeah, it was it was really bad. It was the crew looked really tired in the Florida Heat. That's what it looked like. I mean, it looked like they weren't used to playing in this heat. It looked like – and Miami's a different animal when it comes to heat, um, and, and their stadium really doesn't help. Um, so I think that, you know, it had something to do with that. It had something to do with them playing midweek, and they did play a lot of their guys. I mean, it's not like they rotated it. Uh, they had Santos. They had Zellerey on. Um, BWP got his first start with the crew. Um, Vormgers, uh Got, came back. He was starting in center back. Uh, I know Mens is out, but uh, ETN played. So it wasn't like this team was like slouching and they played. You know the the young kids. It was it was a lot of their good guys, and and it's concerning because it, they just didn't have the link up play. And when Zellerion doesn't do anything, um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the crew. Uh, if he has to miss any time coming up, uh, it, it could be really interesting for the crew just because like he is so good in the middle. Um, that that link-up play, even uh, even if he's not involved in goal scoring or assist, he can find teammates and he's a bother for the defense because they have to try to figure out where he is. Uh, and I thought Montreal defended it pretty well. So overall, it was a pretty boring game other than that. Uh, you know, I'm very happy with the matches I chose to watch this weekend because like, that was on at the same time as SKC at RSL. And I was like, I'm watching that one. That's what I was watching. <laughs> yep, that I'm was the one that on because yep. I had so we started off with Chicago at Red Bulls, which was a really bad first half, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Then we get went to uh, then I switched to SKC at RSL, and then you started watching the Crew game on your iPad, like you said, and I was like, I only have the one screen right now, so I'm sticking with this one, and I was very pleased. I was very pleased because that game got pretty good. Um, so I, I, you know, they kept showing the score at the bottom of the SKC game, and I was like, okay, I'm still not missing anything right now. <laughs> um, all right, so that was my headlines with the CCL team. So let's go ahead and go to one of your headlines. So we kind of we kind of went through New England, um, but uh, I tell you one thing: uh, Carlos Heel played uh, probably the best that he's played all year. Um, he had some touches. He had two touches that were just world-class uh, ones that you just look at him in awe and you're just uh, confused as to how he can be so good. Um, but so far, I mean, he's got a goal and two assists. Uh, I, I thought that he's finally started to look a lot better and in getting into form. So that, and again, we talked about this with uh, the guys from uh, New England uh, about, you know, what can we expect from them? And they said pretty much if heels healthy and he's playing well, then, 
then it's a team that can be very threatening in the East. If he's not going, then this is a team that really could struggle to find something in scoring. Um, so I think that that's been, you know, something that we've been watching. But I will say Carlos Heel finally starting to look like he uh, is going to do some damage here. He had a PK uh, in the 53rd minute. And uh, so, yeah, I think getting him on the score sheet, getting him involved more uh, is going to help this New England team uh, become even better uh, than what they are right now. All right, let's go ahead and talk uh, one of my last headline here. Smetzer changing formations for the season. We kind of alluded to this to week one when they demolished Minnesota. Right. Uh, which we're not sure how exactly that looks right now, right? But when you look at game two, right, and they played uh, – I'm blanking right now on who they played last week. Uh, they played – They played LAFC. Uh, LAFC, right, and they drew. And then this week, they drew, uh, they played against LA Galaxy and won 3 0. And they're top of the West, seven points. This is without Jordan Morris, who was arguably one of their best players, you know, last year and in the other years. Um, They've been playing, you know, they switched to a new formation. They're, they're playing two strikers up top because they don't have somebody to replace the wingers, you know, for Jordan Morris on the left. And I just think that that, that deserves a headline. That deserves some, you know, um, some kudos because that is not hard to do. I mean, it not hard to, I mean, it's not easy to do, right? Uh, kind of the opposite of what I was trying to say. Uh, they, you know, I feel like sometimes coaches get in this rut where they're like, this is the way I play. Look at a Jose Mourinho. He's going to go to Roma and he's going to just play the same way, right? Uh, they, they go somewhere, they say, this is the way we play. This is the way I play. And if Morris is down, I'm going to need somebody to play that same exact role and we're going to keep this thing running. But instead he's like, no, let's change it up. We're going to play a different formation and we're seeing great results for it. And what's great is when Morris is ever healthy again, they could be like, you know what? We can go back to what worked before too. If people are getting used to this new formation, we can switch it up again our old way. If Morris is out or, you know, it's just working the way it is, maybe we stick with this one. You have now like two formations that you can use at any time, depending on who's healthy. And I think that works a lot better than just being like, okay, what's plan B? We talk about that with Liverpool on stoppage time. What's plan B for Liverpool when their attack is not scoring? They don't have one. They don't have one. They don't have one. I'm always begging for Liverpool to get a center forward that can, like a Diego Costa, that can go up there and just be mean, be physical, and head the ball in the goal, or, Mm -hmm. you know, just be a poacher that's, that's, selfish and score goals because it changes it up oh you know we've been crossing it in to nobody or salah's been dribbling and nobody's been putting in the back of the net how about we switch it up and change our approach and i like that that's what seattle's been able to do here that you know even mid-game at some point they could be like you know what let's revert back to this or you know even when morris is healthy if something's going on there he could be like you know what Let's switch that out. We're going to go two at the top again, and we're going to switch it up, and this could help them years from now as well. But I just think it's great to see some adjustments there because I just do feel like managers at times land on a crutch of this is what works, this is what we're going to do, replace the 
replace the player with the next cog in the machine almost, you know, get somebody that's like Morris, slip them in there mm-hmm. and we'll go. Instead, they did something to- and totally entirely different. Yeah. And, and not to mention you got Nico Ladero back uh, from injury. Um, I-, I thought that he looked good in his return back to the lineup. I thought, you know, being back in that side is going to add a whole different element to them. Raul Rui Diaz has been so good. Uh, Wabruin has been so good. Um, the Roldan's link-up play between Alex and then Christian has been fantastic. They're interchanging their abilities to get in the attack and create in the attack, both of them kind of putting balls in between, um, far in between. Um, I, I think that it's definitely interesting. Uh, did Jordan leave? Oh well, uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, I think it's just interesting that the uh, that Seattle has been so good for so long. There you are. You're back. I just kept talking at this point. Um, so yeah. Sorry, I, I clicked unmute my mic and it just died. Like yeah. everything ended, and I was like, "What yeah. is going?" On? That's just yeah, uh, I, I missed what you said, but uh, so uh, no. Anyway, I was just saying that. Every single person on this team, if you just look up and down this team, they're just so solid. And um, like you said, with Jordan Morris gone, it you know obviously he's going to be a big hole to fill. But I think that the, these guys have just been placed and plugged into these positions, and they've changed the formation. They don't really need that Jordan Morris type position and role anymore. So I think they just kind of evaporate it. And now they're going with this two striker front, which I really like because Rui Diaz has been just so good. Um, and not to mention that that Smith has just been Brad Smith has been uh, worldly uh, lately. He's been like the Lionel Messi of Seattle um, with his you know come, with his really long stint at Liverpool. I'm sure he's learned how to play some really good soccer. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that was uh, Rui Diaz in the 20th minute, then uh, Smith in the 23rd, and then Rui Diaz again in the 90 plus three. Really, just the worst game uh, that Galaxy have played this season. So, and look, I, I'm not going to jump on Vanny or LA about this because I, you know, I thought Chicharito had some chances, um, but ultimately, I can't blame it on him either uh, because you got to your team needs to get it to you. You know, I think he had one that I can really think of of like, oh, maybe you should have scored that, but. Uh, sometimes you're going to come up against these good teams, and I think we're all leaning that Seattle is a good team, and they're just going to be a little too much for you on those days. Uh, we have uh, we have Seattle in fifth and fourth, and I'm starting to think that's that's really wrong. <laughs> uh, we'll see how it goes throughout the full season. You know, this is MLS; anything can happen. Mm. But I I do think that maybe uh, maybe we underestimated them this year, which is fine. They can prove us wrong all they want, right? Because uh, I, I do enjoy watching them play, so I will be happily wrong uh, on that one. So, let's go to one of your other headlines, which is I'll let you pick Rubio Rabin or Cade Cowell. Let's do the let's do the Rubio Rabin one because we we've mentioned RSL and we've mentioned SKC here recently. Um, so Rubio Rabin. For those that don't know, uh, finally got to play in front of his parents for the first time in his professional career, uh, which was a really cool story. They were actually cool at story, the game. Yeah. Uh, just a fantastic story, and boy, did he deliver. Uh, 
you know, this is two weeks in a row now because they've only played two matches because of the uneven schedule. Two weeks now, he's got uh, Rubin's got two goals and two assists. Uh, he he was the link up play with Anderson uh, Julio and, and RSL in the attack. These are two pieces that they added in the off season. Anderson Julio uh, and Rubio Rubin, and they just look really good. They look really solid in the attack, which was a, a big concern. I know when we talked and previewed them that that was the big concern. Who can they add to this attack to make them better? Because I think their defense is serviceable. I think it, you know it's not one of the top in the league, but I think that they can get a job done. Glad uh, Aaron Herrera, who got hurt, um, is back in their back line. So you know, I, it, it's a team that we really underestimated. I think um, maybe. Yeah, uh, I was just sharing that we're at eleventh. Uh, yeah. We have them eleventh. Uh, right. right. Um, but I will say now the difference is the West is. I think the worst teams got even better like i think san jose got better houston definitely got better uh you're looking at vancouver who has been serviceable um hasn't won much but they've been better defensively they don't leak as much um so rsl i mean you're looking at teams that have gotten better that kind of hang out in that bottom spot um and rsl is going to need it because it's a it's a log jam in in the west um but yeah no i thought that i I think that it looks cool It, it was a great story um, and RSL just like took it to SKC. Yeah, so let's talk about that for a little bit here. Uh, Alan Polito, 17 minutes in, gives SKC the lead. They have uh, Krylock in the 35th minute for RSL. Then in the 52nd, you got Rubio Rubin, and then in the 77th. That finishes 3 1. Uh, we got a new, a new tradition in RSL in Salt Lake here. The end of the game, Ochoa is going to kick a game signed ball into the stands of the fans. Uh, this is a reference to what we talked about last week with him kicking the ball into the Minnesota fans. Uh, do we like this? Do we like this, Logan? This new tradition? I like it. I think it's great. Uh, I think it's cool because uh, that's a section in behind the net where. You know, it's not it's not your season ticket holders usually. It's usually people that buy the games. And actually, I saw the ball landed. I think it landed at the person that gave it to the kid that has David Ochoa's signature on it. Um, so yeah, no, I really like this because I think that he can place kicks. Um, and they even talked about maybe doing like man of the match, having kick him in. I always just think it would be fun to have Ochoa kick him up there. But maybe you could have, you know, the tradition where they could. And they just, I mean, it, this one really is just like lofted barely up off the ground. Um, and no, I love the tradition. I think it's cool. Cause you get memorabilia. It's a, it's a cool moment. Like, Hey, I was at this game and this is the ball that they used. And no, I think it's a great moment. And I think it's a cool tradition that RSL started in. Plus it's just cheeky towards the Minnesota yeah. fans. And now I think it's a big rivalry. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And, uh, Hey, we even had a Minnesota player kick their own fan in the head with a ball and yeah. drilled them. Uh, because it was just a shot that went wayward and it was way more dangerous than a Joe's kick. So mm. this, this is why I, I do, I do enjoy this as well. I think this is, this is fun. Hopefully he doesn't get fined every time he does it though. I think, <laughs> I think with the fact that it's on purpose for sure, it mm-hmm. should not be, should not be fined. Um, let's go to, with your last one then here, Cade Cowell and mm-hmm. the San Jose quakes versus DC United, I had a heck of a time trying to watch this one. <laughs> yeah, uh, you did. <laughs> due, due to some very issues with blackouts uh, for DC United. 
And then when I went on the app to watch NBC Sports Washington on my Fire Stick, it was like, the Wizards are on. And I'm like, yeah, they are. But this game is also on. And I'm like, so click this. And then it Mm -hmm. still played the Wizards because it said the Wizards are on. It's all it said was on. And I was like, but this game is also on because I'm watching it on my phone on the same app. So Mm -hmm. how can I not get it on my TV on the same app? It's frustrating. Very frustrating. Not sure what's going on. It was late too. And I'm like missing all this stuff. And I'm like, I can't even get this going. Mm -hmm. But I did catch a little bit of it once I got it working. And then it was like, okay, time for bed. Uh, 4-1 San Jose over DC United. Shofis scored one minute in. 26 minutes in, Cade Cowell scores. 31 minutes in, uh, Alfaro scores for DC to make it one, uh, two to one to San Jose. Then you have Jackson Yule in the 43rd and 85th minute. One of those, an absolute cracking goal, mm-hmm. two assists and a goal for Cade Cowell. Uh, pretty big day for him. 17 years old. Yeah. It, it, yeah. And what's impressive about him is just how strong he is for a kid. He doesn't look like a kid. He looks like a man-child. If you haven't seen him, Google him. Um, he's not real man-child tall. Man-child in a good way. Yeah, not he, like a, not a bad man-child. No, way. no, uh, no. Um, but if you look at him, he's 5'8", so he's not tall in stature. Uh, no, but it, in all honesty, like the, the kid is just unbelievably talented. When, when you look at him – um, he he kind of has like reminiscence of like a little bit of Aguero ish, where he kind of makes these turns, uh, and he's quick. So when he does make the turns, he, he gets away and gets into space really easily. He's really good with the ball. His assist to Shofis in that first minute was really good. Um, he, they kick the ball to him, and on like a one-time touch, he he hits the pass at an angle away from the defender where the defender was, and it was. Like at first it was like, what the heck was he doing? But he, you could tell he did it to angle it that way because he was going to go with it. So he kind of angles this ball and he takes off running and it goes, it probably went five or six yards away from him uh, towards the midfield. And then he kind of just lays one off into Shofis's run and Shofis makes that nice run and gets that ball uh, and scores. And, you know, it's funny because I was listening to Goss and them do the U.S. men's national team depth, and they're like, wait, do we add this kid in? Where does this kid go? Where does he fit? Um, Which is funny just because, you know, it is. It's like now, I mean, think about it. You've got him. You've got Hoppy who comes out of nowhere. You've got DK. That's a young kid that comes out of nowhere. Cole Bassett's really – I mean, you've got all these young, talented players that just keep coming, and the U.S. just churning out these players um, and Cade Cal is no exception. And I think, you know, looking at him as he does get older, he's only 17. So as he does get older, I, I think that he does start to throw his name in that conversation. Cause he, he's built so low to the ground. Um, he's strong and physical. He's fast um, and really can create in the open. Um, so I, you know, I really like what Cade Cal can offer. All right, yeah. Let's uh, let's talk LAFC Houston. Corey Baird scored another goal. Fifty-five minutes in, we had an entertaining two minutes here with Corey Baird scoring in the fifty-fifth, fifty-seventh <laughs> minute. Pasher scoring, who I know you're a big fan of. Mm. Very sloppy first half here, uh, but uh, we get the two goals. Vela still out with an injury. So can we just address that? 
issue on week one where Vela's like trying to say he didn't need a sub because yeah. he's been out for two weeks. So I think Bob made the right move. Maybe it was premature, but I think Vela goes back out there for five minutes and then probably is like, nah, I got to get out of here. <laughs> so I, all the uproar that happened of Bob shouldn't have done that. Bob should have, you know, whatever. Um, seems to have been worth nothing, right? Like, I, I think Bob got this right at the end of the day because yep. taking him out 20 minutes in or whatever, and he's still out for two weeks, you you could have risked more damage if he stayed out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and especially in a leg, like a, a quad, a leg. I mean, that that's really dangerous because that weakens that muscle in around the knee, and he's had issues before, so it's – yeah, it, it looks like a great move now by Bob Bradley when it looked like a joke um, that first week, and we kind of laughed about it. But uh, like you said, those two minutes were really entertaining. The rest of it, I, I thought Houston actually looked the better team. Uh, I think Diego Rossi is still trying to kind of find his legs. Uh, Atuesta continues to play well, but how much can he provide if it's just him? Latif um, Blessing played really well. Um, but, yeah, I – there's not really much to say besides the fact that they really miss Carlos Vela. And if you're an LAFC fan, Jordan, are you, are you concerned about this? Cause now it just seems like he's starting to get into that. Well, now he's just missing time constantly. Mm, no, no, I, I think, uh, I think get me to, they have five points, which is mm-hmm. pretty good. I think get me into the playoffs. Anything can happen. Um, look, they've won Supporter Shield and got nowhere in the playoffs before. Uh, you know, yeah, you're maybe a little concerned about Vela injury wise, but again, good move by Bob. He only played 20 minutes this season or so, and maybe he'll have a quicker rebound. Maybe he'll be back sooner than than we think. And uh, I think LAFC are still in a good spot here. I'm, I'm not pressing any sort of panic buttons i'm an lafc fan all right i think we have like one game left or two games left here we have the inner at nashville this was this was bad, this <laughs> was bad. uh we had no he Gwain brothers uh we, we kind of mentioned why last week their mother mm-hmm. passed away uh we get a Really great chance uh, early in the match here for Inner Miami. Uh, they get some good shots on target. Then we kind of have uh, nothing. Nashville very struggling. Three home matches and just three points. Uh, luckily, they didn't give up any goals this game because then they would have lost because there was no way they were probably scoring. Um but the last two games, you know, they give up two quick goals and then have to fight their way back, which I thought was good. Like, oh, we're fighting our way back. This this time it just – they weathered the storm early but still came with nothing to show of it other than that one point. So you could probably actually add Nashville to that these aren't the starts you're looking for picture that you have behind you because uh, they I, – I think this isn't the start they're looking for right. after a great season last year. And uh, I, I don't really know what else to say about it. It wasn't a great game. Yeah, the, uh, and Nashville, I mean, they put loads of chances on goal. Um, 
that Cincy game, I'm shocked that they actually that they drew that game. They they had so many chances to go up. They lead the league in shots on goal. Six. And now when you look at Cincy too, you're like, how can you not beat them? <laughs> yeah, lead the league in shots on or shots uh, uh, in shots, sixty uh, shots, and then uh, twenty four shots on target. So it, having just four goals out of that, that's. Uh, that's that's concerning, and, and we talked to Drake about this, and um, I know Yonder Cadiz came in and played well in a limited time and limited capacity, limited sample size uh, last season. Um, but you're starting to see, like, if Hani Mukhtar is not going to score, Randall Leal is going to eventually score a little bit, but not a ton. So then you need a guy like Yonder Cadiz to score or a CJ Sapong who wasn't available. Um, so, I, you know, I think that that's – it's concerning because – Yes, they have a lot of options up front, but they don't have like that proven goal scorer in the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so we have Colorado Rapids versus Vancouver. Colorado win this one, one nil on another Rubio scoring, not Rubin, yeah. a different Rubio here Diego. scoring. Uh, yeah, uh, this was on at like the bizarre, weird time at the same PM. time during the middle of the uh i think it started during the galaxy game it did yep it was 10 30 yeah. just bizarre because yeah. you're like we're in the middle of a nationally televised game and you're, <laughs> you're playing this random other game work this out better mls uh yeah. you know you want those fans that are watching uh colorado vancouver to also be tuned into your nationally televised games so they have higher ratings. Mm-hmm. Not like, oh, I have to watch this uh, local sports team instead of the national game because that's my team. Like, just that'd be like having a game on Monday Night Football <laughs> that starts an hour after Monday Night Football starts. Yeah. <laughs> And nobody yeah. else can watch it unless you're on ESPN Plus. You're like, nope, this is it. Like, uh, only the diehards are watching this one. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. Not much to really say here. Great Fury kick from Diego Rubio to give them the lead. Uh, Vancouver kind of been wishy-washy this year. They're in ninth with four points. Um, you know, they're only three points back of first, honestly. I mean, like, the West mm-hmm. is actually really stacked – you have only one team without any points in MLS right now, and that's Minnesota. But at anybody other than Minnesota in the West has at least three points. Mm-hmm. When you look at the when you look at the East, there's four teams with one point and <laughs> one team with two points, and yeah. then you have three teams with three and then higher. So yeah. definitely looks like the West is that stronger conference once again. I was gonna say there's not much. Uh, when you like I said, the West bottom teams got better. Uh, even Vancouver got better. Like they're not good, but they got better. Um, Diver Casado, uh, Cavallini's playing well. They just need a ten, which I think they'll go out and get because they've been talking about it for like months now. Um, but uh, I guess on the flip side, Colorado had Sam Vines back in. Now it looks like a totally different team because he can fill into that left-back spot. Kellen Acosta comes up out of that left-back spot that he'd been playing for some odd reason. They thought that was a good idea. Um, and he was just uh, – he's just not a left-back. Uh, but Sam Vines comes back. And, Jordan, I don't know if you saw any of it, but Sam Vines looked really, really good, um, really poised uh, in the attack. He controlled most of the ball. He controlled possession. He was finding open space. Uh, 
and then he was defending really well, able to chase people down extremely well. Uh, he can defend, which is not really normal for a left back in this time who can attack like <laughs> he can. So it's like, what in the world are we watching? Um, and I think, I, honestly, I think that he ends up winning that that left back spot for the national team. I think that, you know, I think there's a, or is it right back? that they Ooh, Don't say it on Twitter. Don't say it on Twitter. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I you'll have the think, Anthony Robinson stands coming at you. Well, I, they can come at me all they want, but Fulham is not um, not staying think, up. That's yeah, sure. I think you know. I think that the Rapids are giving. No, I'm kidding. Um, but no, I, I I love Sam. I love what he did. I thought he was their best player in qualifying. Uh, I thought that he just adds so much. Um, that talent that not a lot of them do. I don't think Anthony Robinson, you know, I hadn't watched him play as much, but you know, the limited experience I have watching him, it's never been like eye popping where Sam jumps out at you. Like he's like, Whoa, who's that? Um, much more qualified, I think, but I guess I'll, I'll stop talking so that the full fans leave me alone. I was going to say, so we could wrap this up. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> let's look at the power rankings. I want to put them up here. And I'm going to ask you to defend these. We're going to go one by one. I'm going to ask you why you placed them here. And uh, I'll challenge you if I disagree. Okay. Okay. Hey, look at that. Millennium Falcon. Yeah. This is a nice power ranking one for May the 4th. All right. So here we go. Number one. No, let's go number five. Let's go number five here. You have Orlando City. Defend it, Logan. Why are they number five right now? Uh, defensively, they're probably one of the best, I would say, top five defenses in the league right now. Um, Gaese has uh, two clean sheets. Um, they're missing Joao Matinho. They are playing without Janssen, and they're still keeping up with the likes of Atlanta. Um, you know, Cincinnati has been rough. So they, you know, it's it's been kind of a toss up, um, but I guess you could say the shutdown Brenner, whatever. Um, and then in SKC, you know, at Children Mercy Park, holding them to one, and honestly, the one that they gave up probably shouldn't have been a goal. They look good defensively. When you're looking at the attack, uh, a healthy Pato made them look. I thought that they had some chances there in that Atlanta game um, that that you know they just didn't put away. Uh, they go to SKC, and I think that they had probably their best performance of the year. I know that people be like, "Oh, well, what about Cincinnati?" It's kind of tough to say that Cincinnati's your toughest, your best win because it's just they've been so bad. Um, but I think that with their depth too, I mean, they they're bringing like Andres Perea in, they're bringing Benji Michelle in. I mean, those are guys that are quality youth players um, that are kind of sucking into that midfield. You've got Schlegel that'll be coming off the bench when Janssen's in the in the starting eleven. You also have uh, Kyle Smith, who's played extremely well, uh, filling in. So, you know, it, it, it's a stacked team, and Joao Matinho is probably arguably one of their best players. So it's uh, it, it's a good team. It's a stacked team. Nani's played well. Chris Mueller's played well. Um, and then there's teams behind them that I just don't think have played quite well enough yet. And they're, I think, third in the East right now um, behind some of these teams that we're going to get into. Yeah, so they have the uh, they have the second-best defense in the East – Columbus has given up zero goals because they've only played two games. Uh, Seattle has given up only one goal as well in the West, mm-hmm. um, which is the same amount of goals that Orlando has given up, just the one here. So, yeah, pretty good defense there 
for Orlando. Let's go number four. You have RSL. They've only played two games. Why are they fourth? Yeah, so uh, I hate the power standings that kind of just put people where they expect them to kind of be. Like why you have Columbus crew up that high right now. Like look at it. Don't look at it. It's who they have because who they have might not work out. And then you kind of look like an idiot putting Columbus at second or, you know. So I, I did this by going about who's in form and who's playing well. This is how I do power rankings. Um, in RSL, two games, uh, I thought against a, I think, a very decent SKC team. Uh, I think they're a playoff team, SKC. They made them look really bad. Um, it was at home. I think Anderson Julio and Rubin have just torn it up since getting there. They, they dismantled um, Minnesota. Uh, it's, it's a really good team with a decent defense. Ochoa might be arguably in the conversation for being – uh, one of the top keepers, I think, at the end of the season. So I think that it's it's a combination of those, the defense, and now they figured out their attack. And, and I think that that's something going forward that they can kind of ride out. Uh, again, they, they play two good teams, and, and I'm looking forward to see what they do. Number three, NYCFC. Yeah, so last week we had Union ranked up here um, in, in these spots. Yeah, good call, good call. Yeah, thanks. Uh, NYCFC smashed them in. Um, not smashing them, but they, they played them extremely well. Ten men down, uh, you know, or ten men. Um, they score five. Ten men against, down. Oh, ten geez, men down. Be, yeah, so they're playing with the keeper, right? No, uh, <laughs> ten men on the pitch. Man, I'm having a hard time today. Could you imagine just one, like just the keeper? <laughs> that keeper's like, oh no, what am I facing here? <laughs> it's like an onslaught. Um, no, it, it's uh, but no NYCFC. I, I thought that they've played really well. Uh, against Cincinnati, even though Cincinnati, again, kind of not that team that you're really proud and beating. But to go into to Subaru and beat Philadelphia, and before Jose Martinez gets put off, I, I thought that they looked like the better team in those first 16 minutes or so. Um, and, and right now they've collected the points that they need to collect, right? Um, and, and I think like they, they look like a, a decent team and they get to play Orlando this weekend. Um, so maybe it'll be a good match, and um, Castellanos has scored, so that's been a big plus for them. Number two, the Revs. Yeah, so this one was tough, um, but I think the game that uh, it wasn't exciting, it wasn't thrilling, but but to beat Atlanta, who I think is still a good team, um, and to play them well, uh, and I think that they, you know, they have the talent like with heel. I mean, he's such a top talent that like you look at him and go, if he's doing something um, well, then, then this team's going to thrive. They beat DC like they should have. It wasn't a, a thrilling win, but again, they kept the clean sheet. Uh, I, I thought that they did a nice job of coming back against Chicago. It wasn't a good result. I would think because they are, I think steps above them, but I think it was a good result. And the fact that it was their first match back, he was, you know, just starting now to get back into it again. Uh, a a two-nil um, deficit and, and come back to be able to draw that on the road at Soldier Field, uh, and those fans were pretty pumped up for that home opener. Um, that's why I've got them second. And number one, Seattle Sounders. That one's easy. <laughs> uh, the Seattle Sounders are right now the best team. I mean, defensively they look good. Uh, I thought that they did nice. they look good. Yeah, offensively they look like uh, world beaters. And now you add Nico Ladero back into the mix. Uh, and they drew with LAFC. 
They smashed in LA Galaxy. They crushed Minnesota. It wasn't even close. Um, it's a team that is just, I, I think, also a little pissed off with uh, everybody else like us <laughs> that puts them fourth or fifth. Uh, that all mixed in with the fact that Schmetzer, I still think, is a good coach, and the fact that he changed that formation, was willing to make that change and not be hard-headed with his tactics. I think that that's made them the best team in the West. All right, let's wrap this up. Let's go to the schedule. We have tonight, May 4th. So if you're listening to this after the fact, you missed this. We have Philadelphia versus Atlanta United at 8 p.m. on FS1 against uh, for the Champions League here. Then we have um, Cruz Azul versus Toronto FC at 10.15. That should also be on FS1. Uh, Monterey tomorrow versus Columbus at 8 o'clock on one of the Fox channels. And then also Club America versus Portland at 10.15. Then in back at MLS, we have Friday, Real Salt Lake versus San Jose. Quakes, 9.30 p.m. You can find it on... Uh, you can find it on uh, the ESPN plus there um oh okay so hold on I, I just got an update here monterey and columbus is on fs2 tomorrow then fs1 is at club america portland all right espn plus is rsl versus san jose on friday may 7th saturday may 8th we have chicago fire versus philadelphia at 1 p.m on mls plus uh, espn plus on mls plus mls live on espn plus whatever i'm saying just watch it on ESPN Plus, unless you're a local person. Uh, then at one o'clock as well, we have New York Red Bulls versus Toronto on ESPN Plus. We have Columbus versus DC at one thirty on Saturday, also on ESPN Plus. Also at one thirty, we have Nashville versus New England. You guessed it, ESPN Plus. Uh, Three o'clock, we have Vancouver versus Montreal. That is on ESPN+. Plus. Then at 3.30 on Twitter and Univision and TUDN, you have FC Dallas versus Houston Dynamo, a Dallas Derby there. I mean, a, 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 not a Dallas Derby, a, a Texas Derby there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, uh, I, was, I was too excited for the alliteration. <laughs> 6 o'clock, you have Orlando versus NYCFC on ESPN. That one's going to be great because these are two teams that faced off opening day of their of their uh, first season. They both entered the league the same time. Should be fun. Then on Big Fox, we got LA versus LAFC. That's right. The first El Trafico, that's at 8 o'clock. And then at 10 p.m., we have Colorado versus Minnesota on ESPN+. Then on Sunday, we have some fun here with Miami versus Atlanta on ABC+. At 1 o'clock. Then we have at 3 o'clock, Portland versus Seattle on ABC. And at 7.30 on FS1, Kansas City, Sporting Kansas City versus Austin FC. What games are spe- speaking out to you here, Logan? Oh, man, this is a jam-packed weekend. Uh, we went from uh, eh, weekend to, like, oh, my gosh, look at these fixtures weekend. Um, I guess if I'm... What can we pick one? Or we have to pick one. Yeah, just um, pick one. All right. Uh, 
You know, something's calling me about obviously Portland and Seattle Cascadia Cup. Uh, it, it's the first time they're going to square off this year. Uh, Nico Ladero will be back, uh, and I think he'll play quite a bit, if not start. I think that you're looking at Diego Valeri playing and starting. Um, so, you know, I, I think the, the battles of the tens that, that look really good. I think Portland needs to get back into some kind of form. Um, whether, you know, they kind of try to rotate, I don't see them rotating much in Cascadia Cup. Uh, I think that it's it's a, a game that they want to win, definitely. It's on national television. Um, and the way that Seattle's playing, I, I'm really excited to see what Portland thinks of that because I think Seattle Seattle might destroy uh, them right man. now is the better team. So it, it'll be interesting. All right. <laughs> so that's the game that, that caught my eye when I first saw the fixture list. I'm going to say El Trafico here. I'm really excited for that though. I may yeah. not actually be home for it. Uh, I have to watch it later. Um, I'll tweet it at you. Yeah. Yeah. Tweet it at me. Um, how about you go to the game and then live tweet it to me? Okay. Yeah, I'm sure they'll like that. that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure they'll like that. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that the, actually the one of the fans ran onto like uh, the NYCFC and Cincy game. They were recording it from their iPhone. It was like really close to the pitch because I was wondering why. Oh wait, no, 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 no. Sorry, that was ESPN. Uh, I forgot <laughs> uh, in New York Stadium. Yeah, yeah, that's a very bad camera angle. Um, but you're that's a home game, right? Orlando NYCFC. So you get yeah. to go to that. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that'll be exciting. Six o'clock. Then you get home and watch El Trafico. Awesome. Yeah. yeah so I'll be in yeah, El Trafico that... while I'm watching El Trafico. I mean, yeah, you'll, you'll be in yeah, El Trafico. <laughs> uh, I think that about wraps us up here. Let's let's go ahead and uh, let me give the follow notes here for people that want to follow us if you haven't got tired of us. Good thing is. My shorts are dry now. No more water spilled on them. So that was a fun hour of drying off there. Uh, we have, you can follow us on Twitter at Stateside Show, Instagram at Stateside Show, Facebook.com slash Stateside Show, or email us Stateside Show at gmail.com. We are on YouTube. So if you were listening to this and you wanted some fun Star Wars references to watch on may the 4th you can go ahead and watch us on youtube if you want to see what jack and aj look like our guests uh you can find us on youtube i always find it interesting when i listen to a podcast i'm like i wonder what this person looks like that i'm listening to <laughs> yep, yep. And you can do that now as we are on youtube you can listen and watch us see what we look like and uh you know uh, all the all the good stuff so that is that enjoy the rest of may the 4th if you're listening to us on the 5th then have a happy revenge of the 5th and we'll catch you all next week as we break down week four of mls and uh hopefully not be mourning three uh three or three uh mls teams losing to (laughs) mx teams in the champions league so hopefully hopefully that's not the case but we will catch you all next week and enjoy. Tomorrow throwing his body in. It's going to fall for Ibrahimovic. Oh, come on. Come on. Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show as we recap the U.S. men's national team, Americans Abroad, 
MLS, USL. This is Stateside Soccer Show presented by Stop It's Time Soccer Show. Have a good one.